to make me a servant, make me like you. Hello and welcome to Counsel from Above, your place to ask questions that you wish a counselor would answer from God's holy word. I am your host, Nathan Honeycutt, licensed professional counselor, minister of the Churches of Christ, getting an opportunity to sit down with questions of interest today, dealing with the topic of dealing with people. Go figure. Our world is all about interactions and relationships, and so that is our focus today. How do we deal with people? Man, I'm glad that you're with us today. Send me your questions. We've got running out of questions, needing more and more, so send me your questions. You can send them to me at counselfromabove at gmail.com. After today, I'm down to like seven, so I could sure use some more help in getting those questions answered, so send them to me. Uh, You can also put them on our Facebook group, or you can send them to me in Messenger, but please send me your questions. Uh, Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know the things you wish someone would answer, and we will focus from God's Word how to be able to do that. I want to begin by thinking about kind of our philosophy, our view of people. How do we approach people? Because our view of people determines how we approach people. Um, our worldview, our thinking, our, our, our rules of life is what determines how you and I interact with people, uh, at least in the beginning. Uh, because you and I may set rules in our life and may set rules in our minds, and that becomes kind of the norm until someone presents something or does something that may show that they don't fit that norm. For instance, in our life, we may We may believe that people are internally good, but they make bad decisions. They're they're internally um, wanting to do the right thing, but because of life and things and issues and difficulties uh, and sins, they make bad choices. The other thing is, is that we may think very opposite belief, and we may have a belief that says that people are like internally bad, but they make good choices sometimes. And depending on how we view that, depending on how we view people and how we determine um, kind of what runs people and what deter- what kind of manages people will determine how we first approach those. Now, whether we're a person that is willing to trust until the trust can't be, is, is violated, or if we're a person who doesn't trust anybody until they prove 5,000 times over and over and over again that they could be trusted. And then it's still a little sketchy. And then there's everything in between. I mean, there's those are kind of extreme views. And then there's stuff that's in that middle that says, you know, this person is, um, you know, my view may be that people are mostly good, but they make decisions or whatever the case may be. So I challenge in the beginning of this discussion today is to ask that question. What is your worldview when it comes to people? When you first think about people, when you first approach someone or someone approaches you, what's your kind of internal go-to? Uh, I don't trust you and then until you show that you can be trusted or do we trust them and then until they can't be trusted? Uh, because that really governs how we deal with people, it governs how we approach people, it governs how we are willing to let people approach us. And so as we kind of think about that, I, I go into our questions, and the first question actually came from the Facebook group from Karen. She says, how do you approach someone who is not living the right way? Well, man, this is, this is one of those questions that um, everybody is different. Therefore, the approach usually ends up changing depending on who that person is. 
There's a lot of Bible verses that really kind of talk about and emphasize um, the importance of and then some rules in relationship to approaching people. Think about these for a second. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in a trespass, you are spiritual, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. We are to approach, we are to attempt to restore, but we are to do it with gentleness as our spirit in doing that. James 5, 19 and 20. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wanderings will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. There is a wandering from the truth and there is a working to bring them back. Uh, Colossians chapter 4, uh, verses 5 and 6, conduct yourselves wisely towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Now you have parameters of how we approach. We approach always with graciousness, with seasoning uh, of, of that graciousness, that humility, and we are looking to be able to answer them as we ought to answer them. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 19, for though, Paul says, though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. How do I approach the loss? I approach them as a servant. Uh, on down in the passage, verse 22, to the weak I become weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. First uh, Peter 3, verse 15, But in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. When, when we're looking to approach, we, we have to look at the situation. We have to look at who they are. But ultimately, it's about trying to draw them in, not beat them over the head. Um, our relationship dictates that. I mean, we can look throughout the Gospels, and you'll notice examples of Jesus, how he changed his approach depending on who it was. I mean, to the Pharisees, he was calling you brood of vipers. You know, he, he was really trying to bring a very uh, stern message uh, to be able to shock and to uh, bring them into an understanding of how they should be approaching God. Um, but to the Samaritan woman, uh, he approached her very differently. Um, so, you know, reading the audience, reading who they are and, and that approach, it, I, always, I always say that if your heart's in the right place, it'll cover a multitude of words. You may not say the best things, but if your heart is in the right place and you're letting your heart speak, um, not your brain, not your, you ought to do this, or this is how you ought to live, and just listen to what I'm trying to say. Instead, if we approach by saying, man, I... I know this is hard, but here's here's some things to think about. I just wanted to kind of talk with you about this. You know that that caring, that heart, that that desire to try to uh, make help people grow is what changes the approach and how it's received. You know, you think about um, Acts chapter eight, how Peter uh, approached Simon. You think about Galatians chapter two, how Paul uh, resisted Peter to the face. You you have these different examples throughout the Bible, but ultimately the governing factor is I love you and I want you to be in the right place and I think that's how we approach um, those that are lost 
is we approach with God's word, letting it be the one that speaks. And we then present, how can I help you? How can we work together to draw closer to God? Thank you for the question. So number two um, comes comes from Rachel. She says, how do you manage the aftermath of being caught in an online romance scam? What do you do when you struggle to manage the feelings, try to figure out what was true, and manage feeling shame for getting caught in such a thing? Well, I appreciate the question. I know that uh, this was kind of one of those where she was asking for a friend. But, uh, you know, this, and whoever thought this was called catfishing is really kind of offensive to me (laughs) because I really liked catfish, and now that phrase is ruined forever uh, because that's, that's what's going on, you know, these schemes and people that, uh, you know, these con artists in all reality that are playing on and, 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 and kind of um, serving themselves by the uh, destruction and the damage that is being caused is, is, is difficult for me. It's a, it's a challenge for me. Um, but I think it goes back to what we started with in this discussion, and that is what is our view of people? Um, if we have an optimistic view of people, and that is they're good and, then, and should be trusted until they show they can't, then, then th- I think that's what they play upon, those that are in these situations where they are purposefully trying to scam people. They play upon those that have a trust, um, that have built a faith that people overall are good. And, and that's what they play upon. I mean, that's, what they, that's, that's ultimately what they're utilizing. And so thus, whenever someone either sees that or experiences that or knows that, um, then the opposite view tends to come out, and that says, "Well, all people are trying to get me. You know, all people are trying to, you know, they're just saying what they need to." And and so it, it becomes this pendulum of of you know everyone's out to get me or everyone's out to to save me. And so it's it, it's this pendulum of life that really becomes a challenge. And when we are traumatized or when we are in that experience where we uh, let someone or someone does this to us. Uh, we we feel so violated, we feel so hurt, we feel so um, destroyed that we don't want that feeling again. We don't we don't want to feel like that ever again. We don't want that feeling to ever happen in our lives ever again. And so, therefore, we we make these uh, decisions, we make these safety standards, we make these things in our lives so that that doesn't happen again. And and when we do that, though it may keep us from ever having that again, it also keep, it keeps us from having a meaningful relationship and it keeps us from being able uh, to be able to have a connection with a genuine person down the road. Uh, So the question is, well, how do you manage? Well, the first thing is, is you focus on the lessons that need to be learned, not the defenses to keep from being hurt. Focus on the lessons, not on how do I put up defenses, but what are the lessons? What what are the things that I should uh, be mindful of? What, what are the things that I should be uh, thinking about? You know, when, when we were, you know, younger or kids or when we were growing up and we first started dating and stuff like that, you know, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of times you have like these, you know, like gold diggers, you know, individuals that are just out there to get stuff from you. And so we kind of figure those out by the way we approach them, by the things that we say, by the things we don't buy, the things that we do buy, the things that we, and we kind of figure them out and we're like, wait a second, this person's just out here trying to use me. 
And then we, you know, then we either continue the relationship because that's what we like, or we find a different relationship. We say, I don't know, I'm not into that. I think a lot of times as adults and we get into those positions, we are end up, uh, you know, we, we start trying to connect with, with this because we're lonely and we, we want people in our life. You know, the other, the other thing that's always interesting is the introduction of Internet has really increased this so gr- drastically. Um, and so now instead of face-to-face interactions, it's a computer which, you know, has a lot of space in between in many forms and fashions. Uh, what people put on Internet and what is truth is not always the same. And oftentimes it's once the face-to-face connection is made, then the truth starts to come out. And so I've always been a proponent for say, hey, let's let's get back to the let's get back to the old ways. I may be old, but let's get back to the the ways where you 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 know you interacted with people, you talked with people directly. You you know, um, I, and I think some of the internet stuff can be somewhat solved if it was a uh, a face to face chat through you know pictures and video, um, hearing their voice, seeing who they really are. Having these conversations, you know, it, and it doesn't always uh, eliminate all possibilities of vulnerability, uh, but it begins to use utilize a lot more of your senses, a lot more of your skills, a lot more of your knowledge to be able to identify um, whether or not this is real or not. And so um, those particular things allow you to be able to kind of see um, more with your mind than with your heart. And, and the lesson, I think, is also in that if if I'm making decisions based on my heart, um, I have to make sure the other person is making the same decisions based on their heart. Um, think about this a little bit. So re- relationships are what's what's called reciprocal. Uh, you give and then and then you receive, and it creates this circle of of of, of trust and of, of connection. I, I give you this and then you you give me something in return. In a in a healthy relationship. We give not because of what we get, but we give because we care, we love, we have this connection. This person's important to us, and so that's that's why we do it. We do it because that's the connection. We we love them, and so we find a person who then, in return, uh, because of their love for us, then provides things for us, and so that creates a a a meaningful middle to a reciprocal relationship. It's based upon I care about you versus what do I get from you. And a lot of these catfishing and these um, con artists and stuff like that that happen isn't about a love, a care, but it's about what do I get. And so if I'm caring about this person and I'm giving, I need to maybe open my eyes to see, well, when they give, what? why are they giving? What's, what's the truth based upon this? How do, how do they respond? How do... It, you know, because you and I have maybe done something for someone because we care, because we love, not because we wanted something out of it, because because we genuinely know this is what someone likes. And so we do it. And then when they say thank you and that's all they do and we go, man, thank you, I, you know, and that's good enough. Then it starts to show that it's not about what are they getting, but it's about that appreciation, you know, that that knowledge that, that you, you hit it, you know, you nailed it. You know, for my my wife, she's a service-oriented person. So, you know, if I you know do the dishes or if I vacuum or if I make the bed, that means something to her. I mean, it doesn't to me, but it does to her. And she cares about it. And so if, if I'm like, oh, I'm going to do the dishes so that she does this for me, and then I do the dishes, she doesn't do it, then I'm going to show an emotional response because my expectations didn't get met. 
But if I do this and she says, thank you, and I accept that, and that's good enough, then that shows that's what my expectation was. So when we are in these relationships and we are in these connections with people, and they do something or they ask something or, or whatever they provide, um, you know, if you provide, man, thank you, you know, I appreciate that, or man, that was kind, and, and that's kind of it, it begins to help you realize, okay, are they doing it because, because of, it, I care about it? Or are they doing it because they just want me to do something else? And if they're wanting me to do something else, then it kind of starts to make you believe that the center of this reciprocal relationship is empty. And if that's the case, then that's where you have to start deciding, all right, is this a relationship I want to continue? Because relationships are a balance of vulnerability. When those vulnerabilities are violated, then it becomes difficult uh, to not want to ever be hurt again. So you accept that there's some vulnerabilities. You accept that there's some uh, things that they're going to know about you because that's what relationships are about. And be careful of what you provide when you provide them. Um, make sure that if you provide something valuable, it's a person that can be trusted with that valuable information. All right, third and final question. This one's a, a little bit of a challenge for me. There, uh, it's kind of one of those questions which I wish I had a whole lot of background. You know, this is this is a therapy question. This is not a uh, question and answer question. This is like, oh, okay. Let me tell me more. Tell me more. Um, and so Cindy offered asked on her Facebook group. She says, "How do you forge ahead with estranged children following the death of one of your children?" And this is one of those that that I would love to say, okay, let's talk about this. Let's have this conversation because this is, uh, you know, there's a lot to this. Um, you know, you, you start asking, in my mind, I start asking questions. Well, how did the estranged, did they become estranged? Uh, you know, what was the, the cause of death? Sometimes that can determine things. And so I, I kind of thought of it this way, I, and I hope it helps. And I, I hope this is something that is beneficial to you. If it's not, shoot me another message. Let me know, man, you missed it. Here's what you really needed to talk about or whatever it might be. Just let me know. Glad to glad to make the change. But here's, here's kind of the thoughts that I had in the related to the question. Number one, you have to identify what the rub or the problem is. What makes them estranged? What makes the relationship damaged? What makes this this way? Um, you know, how did it happen? What was the reasoning? What keeps it that way? What's been attempted um, that didn't work? Um, kind of once you start figuring those things out, then you will then you can start determining whether or not this problem number two is legitimate. Um, is the estranged person estranged because well they just are unreasonable? Either are they estranged because they have a, a, a true issue and and whatever was done was absolutely wrong? Because that happens. I mean, sometimes we make a mistake. Sometimes we fail and we do something that is wrong. And thus, um, we have to determine, can we fix it? Can we build that relationship back? Can we alter the things that are happening? Sometimes you can't. Um, sometimes, ultimately, a person um, is so hurt and damaged by what was done that they never want to trust again or they never want to allow themselves to be in that type of a position ever again. And so, therefore, they don't. They don't, they don't want that to happen. But anyhow, number two is determine if the rub or the problem is legitimate. If it is legitimate, then you would want to start identifying what would need to change to fix it. Um, if, if you decide, if you determine, here's what it would take to fix it, um, 
then you can begin to determine whether or not it's worth making the change, number four. Because if you figure out, okay, here's, if, if let's say for the, the estranged or the, 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 the relationship challenge is, let's say it's because of God, because you go to church or your relationship with God or your connection with God, and they're like, you need to start not going to church on with here, you need to go with me, or you need to go to do this, or you need to do that, or you need to somehow violate God's word. And you're like, okay, that's not worth it. That's not worth fixing the relationship um, because that's that's beyond what I want. That's not going to happen. I don't want to do that. And so then we start. And then we then we say, okay, well, then we're going to leave this rub where it is because I, God's God's relationship or my relationship with God's a lot more important. Uh, so we never want to compromise biblical be- beliefs to fix a relationship. You never want to you know compromise your religious connection to God in order to make some human being happy. Now, there may be um, there may be things that are within this rub that maybe need to be addressed. Maybe it was a past choices. Um, maybe it was decisions. Maybe, you know, uh, things that was said, the way that it was conducted, you know, whatever it might be, then you approach them, you connect them, you, you be able to, to draw with them to address that. You know, I think about uh, Matthew chapter 5 and Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, you know, if you if you know that someone has sinned against you or has a problem with you, leave your um, your sacrifice at the altar, go fix that and then come back. Now, because ultimately there are t- things that if we act or have been with someone and have a relationship challenge or difficulty with them, it's getting in the way of my relationship with God. And so there may be things that I need to fix in this relationship that I need to do differently because that's what God would want me to do. That was what God would expect for me to do. And so um, you have to then determine what needs to change and am I willing to change that? And if you begin to change that, and that's, then, then you might see the relationship start to grow uh, and to be able to kind of get back. Um, sometimes it's also about, you know, it's opinions. And so sometimes it's about recognizing that, um, you know, we're going to differ in opinions and um, we don't have to have the same opinions to be able to move forward. Uh, the final thing that kind of came to my mind, and that was kind of the latter part, and that is, is that um, if possible, um, process with the with them what they're thinking, what they're feeling, what's going on, process with them. Give them an opportunity to, to be honest. Uh, the challenge is going to be from a, a you know a parent or receiving perspective is to not take it personal. Um, it, it's about letting them vent. It's about letting them say what they need to say. It's about listening to what their um, concerns, thoughts, cares, worries, whatever it might be, are, and then uh, validate that. Again, validation is not about agreeing with, but validating is, okay, I see your perspective. I, I, that makes sense how you would get to that point. And you may add some information that change their perspective. You may uh, provide in things that they don't know or realize, but it may also be that you're providing to them an ear that is caring and willing to listen so that they can just verbally process their own place and recognize where they are. Um, and so that's kind of my thinking is, is number one, identify what's the problem. Number two, determine if the problem is legitimate. Number three, identify what needs to change in order to fix the problem. And then four, uh, determine if it's worth it. Uh, should Does making the change fix it? And if it does, is it what you want? Is that acceptable 
in making that kind of a change. Um, never violate your religious beliefs. Never violate your connection to God. Always make sure God's the one that's pleased with your decisions and choices in all of our relationships and all of our lives. Uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all his things shall be added unto you, Matthew 6.33. So keep that in mind for sure. Well, thank you. I appreciate these questions and you continuing to be uh, part of the program. Remember, send me your questions. I am running very, very low. I am excited about uh, this, episode 13. Woo-woo, lucky number 13. And uh, then I've got uh, guests lined up for episode 14 and episode 15. So uh, next time, episode 14, we are going to uh, have a uh, probably one of my best friends um, be on the program. Uh, not my wife. She won't do it. Uh, she's like, not only no, but uh, no. Uh, so I had to bring my other best friend in. And uh, he's going to be, uh, he's a counselor as well as a minister. Uh, his name is Kip Green. And he's going to be on the program uh, talking about our relationship with our kids. And then uh, the uh, episode 15 will be a uh, one of my former professors uh, when I was at Freed Hardeman. Uh, Dr. Mark Fenton will be on the program. And he is a uh, marriage and family expert. He is the man when it comes to marriage and family and fixing those couples' relationships. So if you have uh, questions about uh, children, especially difficult kids, uh, send it to me. If you have questions about marriage and couples, uh, send it to me. Those are all questions these guys are just experts in and know extremely well, and I'm looking forward to having them on the program. Thank you again for being a part of our work, being a part of this uh, opportunity for us to consider as we sit down and think about how we are to listen to God's message and His Word and to always be considerate of that counsel from above.